welcome to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. I am David Lindsay, co-founder, lead educator, and speaker at Phenom Leap Education. At Phenom Leap Education, we believe people have so much more inside of them than they realize. And through our services, we help them become the best versions of themselves possible. Beyond the individual, we also believe that company culture is such a large part in creating a business that not only survives, but will thrive through the tough times as we have all been through the last few years. So over the next 20 to 30 minutes, we'll be shining a spotlight on businesses that have achieved this and how you may be able to incorporate some of their ideas and philosophies into your business. Stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can become a guest on a future podcast. Now is the time to sit back, take down some notes and enjoy this episode of the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. In today's episode, we have Gina Folk. Gina is an author with the book, People Leadership, and is the founder of the Folk Group. Welcome, Gina. And I'm so pumped up and excited to have you on this podcast because doing some reading about you, we're in such synergy. But rather than me telling people about you and what you do, Would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, As you mentioned, I have my own business that I started probably five or six years ago, um, really helping businesses, business leaders create that culture of change because Mm. I've recognized, um, well, ever since I was little, like I'm probably only one of the people in the very large world that enjoys change. Like if I'm not changing, I'm going crazy. Um, but I recognize when I got into the work world, most people don't like that. Uh, Mm. so I really, all of my clients really come to me because they're trying to move forward some effort, some initiative, Mm. but they can't get their culture to shift and change with them. Um, Mm. so I really help companies cultivate change to facilitate change to kind of help them guide through that change and set that culture where it's comfortable and fun to actually make that change yeah that, that'd be for. difficult one one key thing that you said that is fun to make change that would really bamboozle a lot of people because they're they're so set in their ways and change to them is difficult it's painful What's a few examples of how you make it fun for change? Because that almost seems like an oxymoron there. It does. For most people, it is very much of an oxymoron. And when I tell people, guys, like, come on, we're going to do this. It's going to be fun. They're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, And so what I've learned is, um, first of all, to say it actually can be fun. It's about how we shift and what we how we're looking at it, right? How can we shift how we're looking at change? Because most people, by our human nature, We think when we're going to change, we need to be scared of it because we Mm. don't know what's going to happen, right? It's the fear of the unknown. It's a fear of, oh, I'm going to have to do something different today that I wasn't doing yesterday. I mean, tomorrow that I wasn't doing today or yesterday. I don't know if I can do this. And so when I really help people, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but when I can really help them see that the change can benefit them and what they can get out of it and how they can actually For most people, they want to know, what am I going to get out of this change? Mm -hmm. And what I found is you can help them understand this is going to help you. And really, it's going to make it easier for you. Or you're going to get that career goal or whatever you're looking for. All of a sudden, they shift it from, oh, maybe this can be fun because I'm going to get something from this. Because so often change in companies, especially 
larger companies feels very forced instead mm. of helping people see no there is actually something you can benefit to so yeah. it's really helping them get into that and then once they see that then it's just the energy that you create around it to say oh it really can be fun right because yeah. change is stressful um and there's lots of little ways to do that that i've kind of done on my own and so whatever i do for me i usually do for other people yeah because yeah what works on a smaller scale generally speaking when you scale it up it still has the same effect and yet like you said once they get that momentum it's like that snowball effect and it just goes goes astronomical so long as you keep the momentum going bring it going yeah mm. yep and once they get uh, once they kind of get addicted to change, then they're going to be the ones coming with the ideas of, "Ooh, can we make this better? Ooh, this can be better." Um, it starts to get kind of like that. Ooh, this almost. really can be fun. Mm -hmm. it, it's very much of a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, because one of my clients, let me just share this. One of yeah. my, I mean, goodness knows, we've had so much change in the last two years. Yeah, because people have had to shift from an environment where they're working in an office to remote. Um, like I had a client that was a healthcare client and they were quickly having to shift healthcare doctor's office, right? They were a client. Remote. We had to shift from people coming in to see the doctor to yeah. having telehealth and all those things that come with it. And it was talk about change. People were yeah. resisting it. They were like, Ooh, I don't know if I can do this. And we actually managed to take what was already a stressful time for people personally and make that fun um implementing that change so it's possible but it's really <laughs> about the energy of the leader and the mindset of the leader because if the leader thinks change is going to be difficult and challenging and not fun that consciousness is going to go down to all the people uh, so 100 oh, and yeah i i love the way that you look at things and the way that you're explaining it and especially over the past two years as two and a half years especially we're being forced to change so changing and i didn't even think about doctors because i i don't deal too much with doctors but yeah how they have the face to face to now being forced to do it online yet yeah, that would have been stressful so what what's a couple of little just one or two little tips that you help people navigate especially the last like we said last two years yeah i for me it starts with first tell me where you are because i need to know where you are like where are you when i'm telling you we have to change where are you what's going on because yeah. i need to know where you are to know where i need to help you get to be ready to make this change yeah. so like with that doctor's office the first thing i had was a bunch of people saying we can't see patients how do we see patients they're not here with us how do we do this how do we do that i'm like do we want to just not see patients? Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Like, I had to really get them back in touch with why are they in healthcare to begin mm -hmm. with? What were you trying yeah. to get? So if the goal is to see the patient and to help the patient, why does it matter if they're in front of you or they're on a screen? If you can yeah. still connect with them in some way, can you still help them? And when they could see, oh yeah, I can still help them. Then all of a sudden the resistance went down some yeah. and the, and their, their minds opened up to, okay, now I can go from what's not possible to what's actually possible. Yeah. I, I love that. So it's, there's still obviously going to be that hurdle there, but instead of the hurdle being that high wall that they can't climb up and now it just becomes a little step for them to go over and yeah. doing reading on you and reading up on you for this. I loved how you you mentioned about culture as well because that that's what I'm all about and you mentioned it briefly just before where it goes from the top down but how have you found the culture in places that you've worked at 
over the last two years, especially. How has that been affected by it? And how have you helped people overcome that? More than just going, like with the doctors was a good one. Why did you get into it? Straight away, that knocks it down. But if people don't really have that, why they got into it, are there any any little things that you can see that that works people to get over those hurdles? And yeah. sorry, and also, what have you seen with both positive and negative culture over the last two years, especially? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my goodness. So <laughs> a big one. Um, yeah, it's a big one. It's 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 great though. So when I first, I'll just take that same healthcare client, and and I'll have another client to reference in a little bit, but. Um, that healthcare client, which is fairly common, I see, um, when I went in with them, I'm like, well, do you, they're like, we know we want to do something with culture, but we don't know what that even means. And I said, okay, well, what, how would you describe your culture right now? And they're like, well, 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 we just, (laughs) people come in and work hard and we're good at what we do. Right. And I'm like, Hmm. Okay. Um, because so many times people think the culture is what you're doing for the the pace for them, it was the patient, right? Mm. It was for what you're doing outside. They don't think culture for whatever reason yeah. is inside, right? Yeah. And and the inside is going to, I've said, like, I think I probably will say this a million times, but the inside is going to reflect what the outside gets, right? And yeah. so if you're, and Richard Bl- Branson was brilliant at this because he said, your employees are going to be what reflects the service that's given, right? Mm. Outwards. Um, And that's absolutely what I found in this company, in this practice, because you had a bunch of people that wanted to do the right thing for their patients. And they thought they they wanted to be the best of the best in the business that they were in helping patients. Mm. But not all employees were, felt like they could actually offer that. So what we really didn't have to shift was they, they thought culture was expertise instead of, what the people were experiencing inside to be able to give that experience to the outside. So it's not expertise. It's really experience of the individuals and really helping them understand that. So we had to really start there. We helped them with, and they, they didn't even have a mission and vision because most practices don't. They're like, Oh, I just, I just get people, (laughs) I just get people well, right? And I'm like, well, wait, but there's more than that, right? How do you want to do it? How do you want people to feel like all those things? Um, So we went through that. We did core values because the core values were important because whatever the core values are of what you want the client, the patient to get, you need to make sure your team members are exhibiting Mm. those core values as well. Um, So we went through that whole exercise and they went through, it was beautiful because when I left that client, they're like, we, are we still going to be able to have this culture when you leave? (laughs) What happens when you leave? We won't have a culture, but they've maintained that culture. So it's, yeah, yeah. So that's a positive experience. One where there really wasn't, it wasn't a bad culture. They just didn't have an identity that culture even existed. Um, So that was great. That was really exciting. Mm. Um, And then another one of my clients I see this most often, and and this is happening with that healthcare company when people are experiencing like spurts of massive growth. It's like they have an identity crisis. Like all of a sudden they don't know who they are anymore because what worked when they were smaller isn't working as they're growing and getting bigger. Um, And this can happen inside of a big company, like with a different division or even a small, you know, a medium sized business that's now starting to really grow. And so another one of my clients um, thought they had a pretty solid culture, but they were growing so fast that they had an identity crisis. So we had to do kind of the same exercise. Like, 
who do you want to be? How do you want the clients to your your customers to experience you? And then we took it back inside um, to say whatever, again, whatever you want to portray on the outside, we got to make sure the people on the inside that are delivering the service are aligned with that and know how to deliver, deliver that. Yeah. So really, it's all about constantly just stripping back and finding the real authentic you as well. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and really, like, who do you want to be? Who do you want your customers to experience? But if you don't know who that is, it's all fake. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fake. And yeah, people can feel it as well when you're, oh, that person, a lot of times it's, they're not sure what it is, but just something just doesn't feel right. And yep. yeah, it's all over the place. And that also leads me and leads me lovely into your book, because from your book, People Leadership. I listened to your first chapter on your website and I just absolutely loved it because you spoke about people being authentically transparent. And that seems what, that's a constant thing that just keeps turning up. Would you mind explaining more of that to us as well? Because I love it. I think I got it, but I just want to make sure that I got it and the listeners understand it as well. Yeah. So, um, so in my book, I talk about this thing called in authentically transparent because a good chunk of my career, um, I was fortunate to work for a big corporation, a very large corporation. So I learned a lot of lessons there. I got a lot of really good foundation, but one of the big buzzwords in the time that I was kind of coming up in the world was be transparent. Mm. Um, but, and what that was, was they thought, okay, well, it's kind of what you were talking about, how they, what they were, what they were saying out of their mouth, they were trying to pretend like they were saying what was coming <laughs> out of their mouth was real and authentic, yeah. but we, but it didn't feel right to the people receiving the message. Mm. So it was like, oh, I'm going to be transparent, but they really weren't telling the truth <laughs> completely. <laughs> right. Um, and people see right through it, see yeah. right through it. Um, and they were just following that buzzword, right? That, Ooh, mm -hmm. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to share what I can share. And it's like uh, that don't share it. If it's not authentic, if it's not yeah. real, don't share it. Um, but I transformed that by saying, okay, the first thing you have to do is let's work at the, look at the word called authentic, <laughs> because yeah. if that, if that message that you're trying to send is not really in alignment with who you are as the mm. deliverer of the message, then it's going to come across as inauthentic, yeah, right? And almost um, and as so, well. Do what? And it's almost, it gives, like when I feel people like that, it, my hackles go up and it's a little bit creepy as well from, from my perspective. It is. And I can tell you there are so many leaders, because I was one of them, that was walking around being transparent, but it was inauthentic <laughs> because I wasn't even... I was one, not connected to the message. And two, I did not really understand um, who I was or what I even felt about that message. Right. And mm. so what I learned over time is there were some messages I was asked as leaders, we're asked to deliver messages that are uncomfortable sometimes. Right. Yeah, I mean, for sure. if you're a good leader at some point in your life, you are going to have to deliver a very uncomfortable message. Yeah. And I had to really connect with those messages and say, okay, what does this mean to me? It's okay if I say in this message, like, hey, I have a really challenging message to deliver to you. I don't know what I really think about it, or I'm really scared about this message. Mm. Like, so people really know that you're giving them not just the words, but 
what you feel and what your mindset is about the thing, but it has yeah. to be authentic. I can't drive a change and say, Ooh, I'm all for this change. If the inside <laughs> of me is going really, I'm yeah. really not into it because people can see right. People see right through us way more than we think we do. Mm. So the first thing I do before I deliver any message is just say, what does this mean to me? Like what, what are my, what am I scared of? What, do, what do I really think about this? And I just yeah. share it because if not, they're going to be at the water cooler or wherever they're gossiping now talking about, did you hear what she said? Do you really think she meant that? Nah, she didn't really mean that. And that's just very mm. ineffective. So yeah. it's really about getting connected with the message that you need to deliver and deliver as much as you can, but make sure you really understand and you're clear about how you feel about the message you're going to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel that as well. Cause like, like you said, giving tough messages, it's tough. We're leaders for a reason. So we have to develop that. But also I love what you said about stopping the gossip around the water cooler, because when the people trust the leader, which is you, me, whoever's listening to this, if you're authentic and authentically transparent, they don't have the power around the water cooler because they're going to go, no, Gina said this and we trust Gina. David said this and we trust David. And with that trust, you really build that team bond. And once you build that, for me, from my perspective, it, it's tough to break that. But once you, sorry, it's tough to break the bond, but it's easy as a leader to break your connection to that bond if you start lying. So there's so much value in that right off the bat. Yeah. And it's okay. Like there's times when I know, I mean, not everything you can tell the full story about, right? Mm. But at least you can say, look, I'm telling you as much as I can. There is some information I cannot tell you. It's not because I want to hide anything from you. And I would actually tell people when I was leading large teams and I tell leaders to do this now, I actually called them on the carpet and said, look, I know you guys are going to go create a bunch of stories and you're going to hear <laughs> a bunch of stuff. But let me tell you, just, just wait till I can yeah. give you information. Don't waste your time. I mean, have fun if you want to go do it, but I can assure you the information is not going to be what you think it is. So mm. sometimes I just had to put it out there, like really try. It's about, it's about really being connected to the people that you're talking to as much as mm. possible. And remembering like, there's a, there's a human being out there that's always questioning what's in it for me. So yeah. if I'm going to be authentically transparent, I need to say, what do I feel about it? And I need to say like, I'm feeling this. So perhaps you might be feeling that as well, because yeah. now you're giving a permission to be human and they see you also as human. Once somebody as a leader, as a leader, when somebody sees that you're actually a real human being and not just a leader and you genuinely are a human, just like they are with just different responsibilities, your communication and your ability to drive change and help them mm. through change is completely different. But yeah, if you don't know who you are as a human being and you're not, and you're scared to show that it's going to be much more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like you said, being on that front foot and being upfront saying to them, maybe you've got a non-disclosure that I can tell you up to this point, you'll know about this. Don't worry about that at the moment. We will worry about that when we get to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And that, that sort of leads me into, because into your direct framework, 
So would you be able to give us a little bit of a rundown on, on the direct framework? Because that, it all comes together to really create that shell. Yeah, so um, I have what I do with my clients um, is a model, I call it the direct method for change. And the first step is really uh, to really get clear on what we want to design. That first D is design for success. Like what does success look like? It, it would You would be shocked, David, how many people when I say what does success look like? They're like, huh? I'm like, well, if you don't know what success looks like, how are you <laughs> how going to you get, get there? Yes. <laughs> it's amazing though. It's truly amazing. It's mind blowing. Um, they're like, what do you mean a goal? And I'm like, if that's what success looks like to you, success can look like all different things. So we yeah. start with that. Um, once we know what success looks like, then we look at identifying where they are. Like, where are you right now? Let's look at the processes. Let's look at the people. Let's look at, um, you know, the measurements. Let's look at everything that that tells me where you are right now. Then once we know what your success metrics are, what success looks like, we can identify where you are, then we can refine it. That's when we can start to streamline those processes. And once we start to streamline those processes, we have to engage the people. Um, mm. And engage doesn't mean like, go tell them, hey, you're going to make this change. Engage means, hey, this is how we think we want to refine this process. Give us your feedback. Tell us what will work. Mm. Tell us what won't work. Um, and then from there, we'll create measurements. And then we'll start the process again by tweaking whatever we need to as needed. So many people, when you go through a change process, want to just stop once they've done it one time and think, oh, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't care how good you are. You're going to have to make a few tweaks here yeah. and there because nothing ever works the way that you put it on paper. You can plan yeah. the best you can ever plan and something's <laughs> going to come up that you're going to have to tweak. Yeah. I can just tell you We're that humans. right now. Yeah. We so. fall differently. There's always going to be little things that work on, on the computer, on the paper, but in real life, uh, it's a different story. And I, I love that where it's not that dictatorship. And you said that it's not you're going down there and saying you're doing this, you're doing this. It's engaging them. It's asking for feedback so that they yep, can keep yep. be getting them to be part of the process as well. Creates that buy-in where then they can go once a change is done, they can go, I was really a part of that. They, they took on what I said. I had input and we executed I, yeah. I love that way yeah. of leading because yeah. it's, yeah, so much has changed in the last 20 years that the dictator leader doesn't survive these days. No. And they have no idea. It's so funny. I chuckle. I chuckle now when I hear leaders say, oh, I can't find good people. And I chuckle and, and I'm not <laughs> minimizing it. Right. I'm not minimizing it. However, I chuckle because most of the leaders that can't find good people are because they're probably that kind of like <laughs> dictatorial controlling, but don't want to admit it kind of leader. Yeah. So, you know, if I've offended anybody out there, I'm sorry, but mm, it's been my experience because if you're that leader, very few people want to leave you. If you're not that kind of controlling leader, like if you're that leader that really engages people, they want to stay with you. Yeah. Um, now there's exceptions to everything. Sometimes people find way better jobs and things like that, but most time people don't want to move 
I know what they say about the generation now that they just want to bounce around, but they're bouncing around because they don't want to be controlled. They want somebody to appreciate them for who they are and help them navigate the waters. A hundred percent. And I've found that as well. And that's what, that's where the idea of this podcast came up because of creating that culture. If you have a fantastic culture where it includes people, it takes people, people's ideas on, they're more likely to stay and have that internal growth within the company. And just, and this is purely from my perspective and from what I've seen at companies that I've worked at and companies that I've spoken to, that when people see that internal growth is possible, they stay for longer, they stay for less money, they stay because they feel appreciated and they feel part of the company. They're no longer an employee, but they're part of that company. Yeah. Yeah. They can see how they can make a difference in that yeah. company and how they can grow in the company and not just have, you know, the company use them. Like if I can mm. see how I'm going to grow and can contribute, great. If you're just going to use me and I can't see that, I'm out. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, you see that more and more. And it's, yeah, it's time for us as leaders to really hold the mirror in front of our face and go, would I work, would a young me work for this, David? Would a young would a young you work for that Gina? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that leads me into the next part that you've had a wealth of experience in, in this world. What's some advice that you would, if you c- could come up to a 15 year old Gina, what's, we'll say two pieces of, of advice you'd love to impart on her. <laughs> wow. Only two. <laughs> oh, Only <laughs> two. A- only two. Wow. There's um, so much. I, I think the first thing that I would tell the 15 year old Gina is like, you have way more than you think you have, and you don't have anything to prove. Right. Mm. Um, so much of my, now this is a very challenging one because much of my <laughs> feeling like I needed to prove myself, uh, allowed me success. But what I did do, what I didn't do was appreciate the gifts that I had, that mm. I was under, uh, under utilize, uh, I was utilizing, but I didn't value. Right. And mm. so if my 15 year old could have really tapped into see the, the things that I was doing as brilliant, um, instead of trying to hide them, like I grew up in the South where you're supposed to be very humble and don't brag and don't do any of that stuff. Right. And so I, I kind of shied away from some of those things that were my God given talent. I didn't recognize it. So if I could have tapped back into that, that would have been great. And then I wouldn't have had to work so hard to prove that I was good (laughs) because so much of what I was doing was trying to prove instead of just being like, I don't have anything to prove. I am Mm, good. Just Just being you. Just be me. Mm. And I think that we hear that often now people are saying, just be authentically you. Um, But I really would have said, like, take the time to discover what that is. I really wish we would do for these younger kids, like help them really understand who they are authentically and who Mm. their strength and what their strengths are, because, oh, I wasted so much time. (laughs) (laughs) It was all part of my journey, but gosh, if I could have figured that out sooner than later and focused on those strengths instead of trying to improve, improve myself it would have been, it would have been much less stressful. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Just appreciating who you are, what you've, what you've already got inside of you instead of, and 
this is going to make me sound so old. It makes me feel old when I go a lot of the times, especially with social media where they're, you can see that they're just acting. And if you're acting to be an actor, that's your job. But if you're acting just to get likes and stuff on whatever social platform you choose, yeah, it, it's almost cringeworthy. And you go, man, you're, you're great where you are. Don't try and put on all these, these other masks. Mm -hmm. Mm, don't and that's the thing right for me it was it, it really is you don't have to wear any other mask that anybody tells you to put on just be you um mm. and all these things on the outside the other thing is um now i i am um, my 15 year old was pretty stubborn so i think my <laughs> other piece of advice would be um you don't know as much as you think you know so at least listen to mm. what other people are telling you and then take time to really assess what they're saying and then see, instead of just being like, no, I know everything. Just yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> there's <laughs> that, so much great, great stuff that I, <laughs> there's so much great stuff I probably was being told that I totally dismissed yeah. that I'm probably using now <laughs> in a yeah. later part of my life. So, yeah, so it, it did go in, even though at the time you acted like it didn't, go, no, I already <laughs> know better, but it's sitting around in the subconscious there waiting to jump out. Yeah. 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 But I got, like I said, I got so much more advice, but I'll stick with those two for now. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> that's two great pieces of advice that anyone can take on board, no matter what your age, but obviously the younger, the better, but why not start here and now we can't go back in time, but that's great advice for people to take today. And yes. I've, I've just realized the time and we're coming to the end of it. I could keep chatting with you for so much longer because you have such a wealth of information and I've enjoyed this time, but where can the listeners get in contact with you and learn more about you and your business? Yeah. So I have a website, um, ginafolk.com. So you can find me there. Uh, if you want the, uh, the full, uh, who I am and what I'm about, you can find my book on Amazon. It's people leadership, 30 strategies to ensure your team's success. Like, you know, just to tell you and your audience, David, all those stories that are in that book have different people's names in them, but they're all about me. <laughs> <laughs> I just made oh, them up funny. as different yeah. people, but that's every single lesson that I learned the hard way. So those are really 30 lessons. Yeah, so speaking from experience, being authentically you. It was authentically me. Um, so uh, you can learn about who I am and part of my journey by reading that book, even though the names have been, I masked <laughs> most of the names of the people, the other people that were involved, mm. but those were all the leadership mistakes that I made and learned from. Yeah. Um, and then you can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm checking my LinkedIn, but all my information's on my website. You can find me I, I love to have conversations. Anybody that <laughs> has yeah. any challenges, they can t uh, message me on LinkedIn. I'll answer back. It's just part of what I love to do. Just yeah. helping people cultivate that, that different style of leadership to be that leader that people can love and that they actually don't have to be stressed themselves by being the leader that's not authentic to them. Yeah. And make transition fun, make change fun make change fun. Why not? It doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be scary. We can make it fun. Beautiful. And thank you very much for spending the time with me this morning, Gina. I've really appreciated it. And I'm sure the listeners have got so much from this. Thank you, David. I'm so grateful to be a part of this. And I know uh, 
you're, you're great at everything and helping all these leaders. I, we definitely are uh, aligned a lot. I can tell for sure. <laughs> and thank you and have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight podcast. If you're a successful chief operations officer, human resource manager, or someone that runs a successful business that also has a great company culture, and you believe that you have a story to share with the wider community and would like to be a guest on a future podcast, please visit the link below. Or if you can think of anyone who you know would be a brilliant guest on this podcast, tag them in. And as always, feel free to share this far and wide. The further we can get this podcast, the more impact we can have. So don't forget to share this on all social media platforms and help others along the way. Don't forget to tag the DCCS podcast as I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. As we post regularly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss episodes that will possibly help your business ramp up to a whole nother level. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to helping us get recognized and to promote the show. And they mean a lot to my team and I. If you want to know more, go to our website, www.phenomleap.com.au. P-H-E-N-O-M-L-E-A-P.com.au. Or follow me on LinkedIn and feel free to message me there. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to giving you more tips on next week's episode.